0: It's always good to have Carson Block here at 731 Lexington. Carson, you blasted up here from the Robin Hood Investors Conference downtown. Thank you for doing so. I know the crowd there was waiting with bated breath to hear word of a
1: new short. Did you disappoint them? Well, I copped to a big mistake that we'd made. And I think probably a number of times when you've interviewed me in the past, you've asked, have I ever made a mistake? And so I started out by saying, it turns out that we did. And the mistake was when we shorted Sunrun in July of 2022. The root cause of that mistake, though, was that we weren't cynical enough. And- Hard to believe, candidly. You know, I, no, I like, legitimately, I kicked myself, because what we realized only a few months ago is that Sunrun, when it talks about the number of subscribers it has, and this is what the street hangs its hat on. How many subscribers and what's the value of the subscriber? Now, previously we'd attacked the value of the subscriber as you know fantastical 30-year models that just use assumptions that don't pass the laugh test. But the number of subscribers, we just assumed that it was a good number. Well, it turns out that Sunrun reports subscribers also to a US government agency called the Energy Information Agency. And as of the end of Q2, Sunrun's telling the street it has 725,000 subscribers, but it's telling the US EIA that it only has 600,000. And when we look at things from a balance sheet movement perspective, yeah, we think that that 725,000 subscriber number is a bad number, that it doesn't actually tie, it doesn't have a relationship to the gap financials.
0: I, I do have to mention that when you first shorted this stock, again back in July of 2022, uh, Sunrun took a look at your assertions, let's say, which concerned tax credits and customer valuations and said that they were grossly false and inaccurate. They have not yet responded to this latest allegation of, if I'm Understanding you correctly, overstating the number of subscribers that they have, or at least you've identified a discrepancy.
1: That's correct. They gave the pro forma response back in July, and they have not yet responded to this. How much juice is there left in this trade? The stock is
0: down, or was at least before today, by about two-thirds since you originally
1: disclosed the short. Yeah, so the, that's a great point, or a great question, but the thing is, if you take that that delta, the difference between what Sunrun says we have in number of subscribers and what the EIA shows, and you multiply that by Sunrun's subscriber value, that ends up being about one and a half billion dollars of market cap, which would be about over 60% of the remaining market cap. So, it's a real number, and this is a company with massive amounts of debt. You're not accusing it of being a zero though? Look, I can't understand why you'd want to be long this thing anyway. I mean, even even if you're, look, even if you just look at the Gap financials, it it's always had significant negative EBITDA. It's always incinerated cash. The only reason to be long this is because you think that these long-term contracts eventually the cash flows that come off them will provide some value. And we challenged that, and we thought that 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 those values were you know should be marked down by 75 to 90 percent. And now we also look at them, we think the subscriber number's also greatly overstated. So, yeah, with the debt, I mean, in a real, like, in a sane world, and we're not there yet, hopefully returning there, it's a zero. Carson, you know what people say when you
0: double down on an existing short? They say you've run out of ideas. Have you? Are there more shorts to
1: come? <laughs> yes, there are, actually. And so we, we anticipate doing several more ideas this quarter, and it's not that Sunrun is an unloved idea. It just, uh, you know, I, look, I really wish we'd come across this back when, but, um, but yeah, we're not out of ideas. It's still a dysfunctional world. i like to think of Sunrun as
0: part of a bigger short thesis you have, which you have called or termed the ESG hustle. Explain.
1: Yeah, it turns out, and when we first started shorting companies that were deemed to be ESG, we didn't have this theme in mind that ESG is the space for grifters. But looking back on companies we've shorted, others have shorted, it really, I mean, ESG has just really attracted some of the most aggressive managements and companies in the space. And I think that that's because when you have an economy or these these industries that are driven by subsidies, it's not actually the companies that do things the best or create the most value that win. It's the companies that are best able to vacuum up the subsidies. And so I kind of feel like there's probably, they're, they're probably a graveyard of former competitors to Sunron and some of these other ESG names that went under because they weren't willing to be as aggressive in hoovering up subsidies as these companies are. How much of this would you say is a
0: stimulus bubble? You know, too much capital chasing too few ideas or... And how much is it companies doing bad things, right,
1: either preying on investor ignorance or, or gaming
0: these stimulus programs?
1: Well, they're not mutually exclusive. If we're talking stimulus in the form of monetary... The IRA, for example. Okay. Well, so, I would say, your first question, we really have to look at monetary stimulus, because the reality i mean my observation is that when you have lower interest rates you have lower levels of no i was honesty specifically referring to for the, the inflation I, reduction act sure yes but i i want these mm-hmm. these definitely dovetail so when you have lower interest rates you have lower levels of honesty in the markets because this rising tide pushes up the most aggressively managed or messaged boats but then when you overlay the fiscal stimulus where there's real money that to be to be attained by getting these tax credits then you get the double whammy. And the government isn't really paying attention. And I think we know that from looking at spending across the DOD. I mean, our government doesn't seem to care about who's abusing these systems. So that's why it's a great grift. I'd like to
0: think that they care. We'll have to see if they take action. Carson, before we finish, I can't help, I can't resist, I would have to say, asking you about Carl Icahn. Carl, of course, is one of the most famous short sellers. But last week, You may have seen this at the 13D Monitor conference. He was blasting the shorts, one short seller in particular whom he didn't name for spreading rumors that he described as basically untrue. Whose side are you on in this fight?
1: (laughs) Well... I'm not on Carl Icahn's, and I'm 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 friendly with Nate Anderson of Hindenburg. Nate did great work there. I think it's been I think it's been vindicated and validated. There's obviously sour grapes, and it's sad. I mean, there's a lot to admire, especially from the perspective of a short activist. There's a lot to admire about Carl Icahn over the course of his career. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he ended up on the wrong side of this, and that's you know his own fault. Um, hopefully, someday the tables don't turn on me in a similar way. There are people delighting in the schadenfreude. Carson, it is great to see you here. Thanks,
0: as always, for coming up to Bloomberg. That was Carson Block of Muddy Waters Research.